You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. Look out! Look out! Look out! Look out! That, that could go both oh, ways. Get out! Yeah, exactly. I was going there too. Come on, wake up! <laughs> We're gonna need a bigger ass to <laughs> shit out this fucking turd. <laughs> <laughs> and so it begins. Oh, God. Who will we diddle today? I forgot that the four of us in the same room. It's bad. It's bad. But it's, it's great, bad. and I die laughing, and my sides hurt. By Spank the me. I've been bad. <laughs> hey, you're not allowed to do that anymore. I know, my, I know personally I'm like totally – I'm going to have two bad shows in a row because I know the last show – to anybody that listened to the last show, yeah, that's, I sucked. <laughs> No, it was fine. It was thankfully, totally fine. Thankfully, my friend Keith was here from Florida to kind of pick up the slack. Um, but yeah, that was rough. And this week, I'm, I'm, I'm sober. I'm drinking coffee, shitty gas station coffee. But you coffee finally got help. Yeah, I got. I got <laughs> <laughs> there was an intervention after the show last or two Mondays ago or whatever. It went like was. this, Scott. We have to have an intervention. And like all oh, three God. of us. Take your clothes off. We called A and E and yeah, <laughs> Scott, bend over. We're gonna have to fucking. Uh, Scott agreed to be part of a documentary about addiction. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's called Ass Diction. I was going to say, Chris is, has an addiction, too. <clears throat> I'm, I'm fucking, what, what are we doing today? Yeah, so we're in episode 67 of Real Crime. Yeah, 67. Thank you. I'm here. Somebody didn't do, somebody didn't do the fancy teleprompter yeah, thing. Two I'm, more episodes, and then it gets real. Yep. <laughs> so, we got to bang out road. like three episodes this week so we can just get there. <laughs> he said bang out. Bang out. Yeah. Bang it out, yo. With your wang out. This is episode 67. You're right, Chris. And um, you look pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> You, you look all right. I just got to watch CGI superheroes beat the shit out of each other for but, two hours. But, yeah, and I know you were fighting earlier. Um, Instead of two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what the fuck, man, right? Yeah, they cut a lot out. Holy you can crap. tell. So they you learned can their tell. lesson from the last movie. Yes, they did. What do we have in the news this week, Chris? So, in the news, well, first we got Andrew's back. The lovely Andrew is here. Say hi, Andrew. Take a bow. No one can see it. <laughs> Blake is here. Sweet Blake. What up, bitches? Sweet Blake. Sweet and Blake. Scott is here, of course. I'm drinking pineapple juice just for you, Scott. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was. I thought it was cranberry juice. <laughs> no, it's pineapple juice. Oh, okay. <laughs> what is it? Your period? And, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> what you, you got? Your period? On your fucking period. <laughs> Thanks, oh, Blake. I appreciate it. Right. Get your juice. fucking shine box. <laughs> all right, let's rein this in, folks. <laughs> okay, sorry. All right, go ahead. Uh, so in the news this week, uh, Hollywood is basically imploding as we what keep exposing fuck? pedophiles, sexual harassment. Yeah. I mean, it's going just deeper and deeper and deeper. And today it came out, <laughs> or last night really it came out. That's really part of the problem. Yeah. Last yeah. night it came out that Tom Sizemore molested an 11-year-old. On the set of a movie and what? Born it, Killers, not Natural Born Killers, but Born another killers. film called Born Killers, two thousand three, right? Yeah, and her parents dropped the charges, but years later, the daughter's suing uh, Tom and uh, and her parents. That guy so, is just a done, mess. Done. Yep. And then, of course, Louis C.K. His oh, film the "I Love You, Daddy" is doomed. Yeah, basically, it's, done. it's been completely pulled from distribution. And as Andrew enlightened me today... It's been selling for, I think, up to $400 on eBay for yeah. one of those screener discs, which 
is illegal. You can't do it's that. It's illegal. But. Yeah. And whoever is selling that disc on eBay, if they track them down, that is a federal crime. Yeah. So if you're that asshole, I would probably take that off of eBay right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they are all watermarked. They're watermarked. Yeah. So I have a feeling eventually someone else will pick it up or yeah. it'll get dumped online. It'll get dumped yeah. online. Give it six months. And then um the Weinstein Company is filing for bankruptcy now. Shocking. That, yeah. that, I mean, that fast. That mm. fast. They're filing for bankruptcy, and they are selling Paddington 2 to whatever company will buy it because it was like their last huge budget production they did. Yeah. $5. So $5 right for a talking bear. <laughs> My God. I hope well, nobody molested that bear. Well, Wind River, uh, put a the director ding dong up its face. The Weinstein <laughs> logo off of the Blu-ray, and all the money is going to yep. some uh, women's organization. I'm not quite sure. Yep. This is like, it, I mean, it's. I think it's an obvious statement, but this is like really like watching a train wreck happen, like literally in front of our faces. And if I may say so, this is all really bad shit. I mean, this is deplorable what we're hearing about. Yeah. However, um, some of this, you know, I think we're all kind of. I mean. There's no way you're. This is like the, this type of news is shit you just can't get away from, right? Um, you're well, just gonna hear about it whether you like it or not. And the floodgates are open now. Yeah. Once the Weinstein thing happened, it just kind of the doors went wide open, and oh, now yeah. it's just all just dumping out everywhere. But it's it's a long time coming. Oh yeah. Like how did they think that this was going to stay in the closet? <laughs> no pun intended, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> forever. <laughs> Rim shot. Well, rim it's, shot. it's kind of been this way since the rim. beginning. Yeah. Rim job. Go ahead, Andrew. Oh, just Shut the, up. since the very beginning. Uh, I mean, if you've seen that documentary, Girl Twenty Seven, about this woman who was raped at the back lot of one of Hal Roach's parties, and Louis B. Mayer was involved in this as well. Um, it's been going on since day one, so I think it's just sort of been accepted as the norm for a long time. And I mean, but this is blowing up to the point now where, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm happy to see this, see people get what they got coming. This is ridiculous behavior. It's disgusting. I mean, there's there's a million things you can throw at that. However, what I'm noticing now, and I don't, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole on this, but... Too far. Too far. Is that this is becoming, you know, a social and political issue now. I mean... And I've been hearing a lot of discussion. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and this topic's coming up a lot. And what's happening now is I'm noticing is it, it seems because I've been hearing discussions like you, you remember when we were younger, like people talk like when we were younger, we'd hit on girls, you know, we, we'd flirt with them, you yeah. know, we, we'd do these things, you know. You and, would play what they call grab ass. Grab ass, yeah. There was, you know, and it, <laughs> it happened to me I mean, both ways. Like yeah. I got my yeah. ass grabbed, you know, I grabbed it, you know. But I'm wondering now. Like what is gonna? What's considered her, like abuse, sexual assault, basically, yeah. right? So it's raising a lot of. I mean, it's interesting discussion, but it's also very scary. Like, what's considered what now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, There's no gray area anymore. It's just it's become more and more black and white. Well, I read an article but yesterday. Maybe it should. I read an article yesterday that said it's bad right now, but in the long run, it's going to be good because there's like an awakening that's going on in our brains where now the actual like socio norms are going to change because of this. So here's here's a good example. I'll keep it very brief, but this just happened to me like in the last couple of weeks at work, right? Uh, um, you ran to Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I ran to Kevin Spacey, and he dragged me into a closet. Uh, No, 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 no. I was getting coffee. 
And one of the ladies I work with, very nice lady, really cool. We, you know, we talk all the time. And she came by and I'm like, man, does it feel like it's hot in here? It felt like the building was really warm. And she's like, well, actually, I thought I was kind of, thought it was kind of cool. I'm like, ah, it's because you're a chick, you know. Right. Right. And I didn't think anything of it. I got my coffee, went back to my desk and sat down. And then my gears started grinding. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, what did I just say to that girl? So I actually went as far as to go back to her, her desk and say, hey, I made a comment to you a few minutes ago. You know, I'm sorry. I, and I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean for it to come out that way. And she's like, well, no, I didn't think anything of it, Scott. We've known each other for years. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm fucking freaking out now. Right. You know? Yeah, because so you just don't know. You don't know what's going to be, because it's so, you don't know who, you, who you're going to offend anymore, mm. right? Uh, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing. People should be more sensitive to people like yep. that. But I mean, like a comment like that, well, you're, you know, I don't even think it was really a matter of, you know, if I, if I would, I think if I would have said, well, you know, females tend to be a little bit more sensitive to cold and hot than guys are. But I, I said, hey, you're a chick. Right. This, which, well, you know, which I guess is more of a slang thing. I don't know. Right. But that's, that's at least my mindset now is like, I'm getting more paranoid and I'm just one guy. Right. So, so yeah. Interesting stuff. Even, yeah, I was gonna... even further down the rabbit hole, House of Cards is in total shambles now. They're trying to figure out what to do yeah. with season six because Spacey has been completely removed. And uh, in other news, Ryan Johnson has been given another Star Wars trilogy. So they're oh, going to do... Jesus Christ. Actually, there is some positive news this week. Uh, Shout Factory announced that they're doing their own production company. They're going to start making original content now. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, Shout Studios, I believe it is. And in addition to acquiring pre-existing works, they're they're looking to generate new content now in addition yeah. to distributing films on DVD and Blu-ray. Cool. So, so they're kind of like following in Anchor Bay's footsteps. Yeah. It's Anchor Bay, you know, just started out pretty much the same way. Let's re-release all these old horror films and everything, and then get we get capital. a whole bunch of money, yeah. and then we'll start making our own stuff. And now they're in league with stars, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I that's cool. So yeah. Really, more, more original content. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like we said, like you said outside, Blake, you're like an original movie. An original an movie. An original yes. movie. Something new. Imagine that. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Hollywood's in the shitter right now, I guess. Um so, yeah. <laughs> in new releases God, this lush. week, we have uh, DC's next film, Justice League, hitting on Thursday night. I just got out of there about 45 minutes to an Justice. hour ago. Yes, so that review will be going live later tonight. Andrew is seeing The Man Who Invented Christmas. That comes out pretty soon. Is that mm-hmm. this week that it comes out? I think so. I'm not sure. Okay. And then uh, the other movie... Like family drama, Wonder comes out this week too. I'm going to be seeing that tomorrow night. Mm. So, hot suggested hot. viewings. I'm just going to spout mine out here really quick. It's a movie called Mayhem, starring Stephen Yoon and Samara Weaving from The Babysitter, and it's basically the Belko experiment on meth. It's amazing. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Really? Yeah, it's that same thing, you know, stuck in an office building and everybody goes crazy and the blood flows from beginning to end. So that's my suggested viewing. Andrew? Um, did we talk about the lure the last time that I was out here? No, we did not. That's that's my recommendation. I've already watched that film like four or five times now since I got the Blu-ray. It's this Polish uh, fantasy horror musical take on The Little Mermaid, and not the Disney film, the original Hans Christian Andersen story, and it's set in uh, I think early 80s Poland. I'm not quite sure what yeah, time it period is. takes place. It's and, the 80s for sure. And it uh, it's just this kind of otherworldly masterpiece that's 
both pure imagination and also really dives headlong into uh, many budding fears about adolescent sexuality, particularly from a female perspective. Uh, the musical numbers in it, never seen a musical quite like this one before. Uh, visually, the effects are stunning. The performances are great. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's great. Blake. Uh, I basically worked myself half to death, so everything that I see is usually old and on Netflix, but the best film that I have seen in months is still James Wan's Death Sentence from 2007. Hell yes. That I is a remarkable too. movie that has stuck with me like none other. Like I, I find it creeping into my consciousness just like at random times, like... Damn, that movie's fucking good. Yes, it really is. And it, I th it was very unfairly panned, I think, just because it came out in such close proximity to Saw. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the sequels were just just being dumped into theaters a year after year, yeah. and people were just getting sick of it and kind of holding him responsible for it, I Death think. Death Sentence. Um, Death Sentence. Fantastic movie. It's on Netflix streaming. If you haven't seen it yet, thank you. Check it out. I need I need it. I need to I need some homework. It's a hard watch. It's like oh, yeah. it's like Death Watch or Death Wish, but like uh, almost more brutal. Mm -hmm. There is no camp factor. I to love, yeah. I love at all. Death Wish. Yeah, I love Death Wish too. And I remember that film got kind of got lost in the shuffle when it came out. Yeah. Like, even yeah. when when I worked at Blockbuster Video, they they didn't stock many copies of it. But mm. I was still recommending it to people who came up with Saw. Like, hey, is there another movie that you can recommend? Well, I well, you sick this, fuck. But... Let's see what we can find for you. <laughs> yeah, Death yeah. Wish. If you want to feel truly bad about your life, <laughs> watch this. Yeah, watch yeah. this. <laughs> All right, Scott. What's yours this week? Uh, unfortunately, I've been watching my beard grow, and that's it. Okay. <laughs> I, I really, I'm sorry. It's been. I've been really off. I've been out. It's of quite magnificent. Here. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank He's you. gonna grow one to match his balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you've been watching porn. Basically. I'm 42 years old, man. There's no hair on my balls anymore. It's all gone, dude. <laughs> Scott suggested viewing this week is anything starring Ron Jeremy. <laughs> he's going to get a Merkin to pay for his nuts. Anything with pubic hair. Yeah. Oh, God, guys. Yeah. Gee, just pile on, will you? Just glue it yeah. all to Andy's we will. face. I, have, I got a bunch of things on my back burner. I have to sit down Wrink and watch. So I'll, I'll be more. Wrinkly taint. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I'll be more. I'll be more uh, active on, that, on this remark. topic next week, probably. Sorry, I total total slack. So this week we we're talking about one of the most famous directors ever, Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I thought you were going to say Troy Duffy. No. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps coming up, Troy Duffy. We talked about him last did time. Did we talk too. about him? Yeah, me and you did, yeah. On the show? Well, we kind of mentioned him. Was it like the last show? Because I don't remember yeah. anything from yeah, that Yeah, we show. talked a bit about Yeah, <laughs> We saw that documentary overnight, right? Yes. Fucking... I want to. I want to hurt that guy. What? The, I mean, really? I mean, not okay. Now, hey, there's a rabbit. Let's go the get guy it. Who made no, it. No, no. Fuck the guy him. Who, Fuck the guy Troy who made Duffy. that uh, documentary was one of the Spacey accusers recently. Yeah, they interviewed him on TV. He fucked him too. No, but he. Oh, yes. uh, but he did grab him, and he said the guy was not a big guy because Tony Montana. That was actually the guy's name too. The filmmaker's name is Tony Montana. Tony Montana. Montana. <laughs> yeah, Antonio Montana. And, uh, Say hello to my little friend. Oh, no, wait. I'm a Cuban <laughs> refugee. I take it back. So, well, we're getting off topic. Yeah. Fuck you, Mike. Spielberg. Spiel yeah, Spielberg. Let's start talking about our favorite Spielberg. Jewish director. <clears throat> Spielberg. <clears throat> all right, so. He's I mean, a you're Jewish your princess. Spiel. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, sorry. I should have been drunk for this one. This yeah. Is, I mean, like, we, I've been all over this shit. Uh, I mean, yeah, what, what do you say? <laughs> 
Steven Spielberg. He we could do the... this podcast for hours and not cover everything. Oh, yeah. yeah this, I know. We're, and I think I'm fairly certain we're just going to more he... or less just, you know, scrape a little bit here. Scrape it's like the do. surface. He invented the summer blockbuster. Yeah. Okay, single, yeah. single-handedly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, when we were kids, I mean, yeah, a, a Spielberg film, I mean, and, you know, it's when I know for myself when I prepped for this thing, I was just kind of cranking a list out. I mean, I already knew this stuff instinctively, but when you look at it on paper, you're like, Jesus, this guy just never missed for like, there was a, and we're going to get to that again, there's a block where he just didn't miss. Everything he was a part of was just, they were massive. They were just the most, and and it wasn't just movies, it was just video games. I mean, mar- the marketing, the, the yeah. mo- it was a fucking money pit. It was insane, dude. Well, he made, he he doesn't really do it as much anymore, but he no, made, he, ev- he created the event movie. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. You yeah. know, the big blockbuster movie that everybody would go see. Well, yeah, I mean, and one of the, I mean, related but not related, I know we're going to talk about E.T., there was an actual whole documentary I saw it on Netflix about the E.T. Atari game. You guys remember that? that oh, yeah. uh, yes. Okay. By then, Zach Penn. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, you're talking about, and that's part of the, the whole package with Steve. I mean, that was one of those things. Now, I don't think it ended with the best results, but it's like, well, we got it. The movie's coming out here. We got to get this thing to market, you know, right around the same time. So these people had to rush the job. So, I mean, it's just kind of another little piece of this whole universe of Steven Spielberg. Not they. One dude. Yeah. <laughs> one that one dude. guy. Yeah. That, you Designed. saw that. That game in six weeks. Six That's weeks. The thing. They gave Howard him no Scott. Time. It, was like a worth, it was like a year's worth of work, and six weeks the guy had to bang out. They and they like yeah. he they built an office. They built it. They brought all this equipment home so he could just work around right. the clock. He just didn't stop. It's an amazing story. If you have, I forgot the name of the damn story. God damn it! I wish I remember that documentary. Well, it's yeah. by Zach Penn. It's so by Zach Penn. It's, it's a very good documentary. Very very good. It, it's kind of serendipitous that just prior to when that documentary was made. The angry video game nerd fan film came out about the same exact subject, the ET video game and the the alleged the legend of the landfill in Arizona, right. where oh, all yeah. those copies were buried. And in the movie, of course, the copies were actually there mm-hmm. as part of a fictional script. And then, less than a year after wrapping principal photography, they unearthed all of that Atari shit from Which, that landfill. Yeah, that, and that was an, crazy. In, an incredible documentary. Yeah. Also, uh, bits of those uh, from the landfill were actually. On display at the uh, Henry Ford Museum. Really? Yeah, there was a really? little section for electronic stuff. They had a, you know, Atari video game system. They had a laserdisc of uh, the Road Warrior. Wow! Um, lots of cool relics <laughs> like that, and they even had the sand and dirt that they were unearthed in. in <laughs> Here's dirt. Plexiglass. Yeah, it's, still, it's still cool. So though. speaking of dirt, jaw dust. all right. So the, speaking of dirt and dust, yeah. Um, where do, where did his first movie take place? Duel, his television movie. Yeah. It ended in a landfill, did it not? It looked like it. Yeah, it yeah. did. He ran him off. It ran him off into a landfill or something like that. God, Spoiler. I fucking love Duel. Duel is such a cool flick, man. It's um, great. It, and it just... It, I said it before the show. We were chatting very brief about that. And I just said, I'm like the big friggin' hairy arm. That's yeah. all you see is that hairy arm. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes that movie so incredible is that... You know, it's, it's that classic idea of, you know, you have this mysterious character. You never see who's driving that truck. You man. also only see his boots, and you mostly yep. see the the front oh, yeah. of the truck, but yeah. that's about it. The truck really is the main character. It's the star of the film. It's just that, that massive Matt truck chasing this guy down. Um, you could also say that this was a very early precursor to... You know, Jaws and Jurassic Park because he used this sound effect of what sounds like a dinosaur roaring as the truck goes over the cliff. 
Yeah, and he uses it again in Jaws yep. at the very end of the film. It's faint, really? but it's definitely there. Wow. Yeah, it's, oh. it, it, it's just kind of hidden in the background, as opposed to Jaws the Revenge, where the shark actually fucking roars when yeah. it comes out of the damn water. <laughs> but we're so not going to go there. We're not going to go there. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, dual. I mean, we're and we're just kind of. There's so much to cover here. We're only get, we're we really gotta just bang through yeah. these things. Yeah. But dual was the shit. I could I could watch that over and over again. Such a cool mm-hmm. flick, man. So you got a Blu-ray copy of that, Andrew? I do, I do indeed. Ooh. Me too. Ooh. I'm gonna sound like a philistine saying this, but I haven't seen this next one after that. What the Sugarland Sugar Land Express? No, I haven't seen that one yet. I have. I, never I have saw not. It. Never saw it's it. It's good, but you would you would never expect that his very next film would be Jaws mm. after yeah. seeing Sugarland Express and then after Jaws it's a Jaws Close Encounters of the Third Kind and 1941 then like, 1941 Raiders, was like, yeah and then Raiders well, he disowned 1941 yeah but then Raiders E.T. and then The Color Purple like aside from 1941 almost every film that he made for a block of almost 10 years was nominated for Best Director and Best Picture yeah, yeah. They're, they're all it's insane they incredible yeah he did Jaws yeah 71 was Duel um, I mean, I, on my list here, 75 was Jaws, right? Which I, you know, that his next big film, I think, was that. Mm-hmm. That uh, was a game changer. Total game changer, yeah. My mom always tells this story. Um, when Jaws came out, it was an event. Everybody was excited to see this movie. My mom, my dad, my Uncle Mike, and my aunt went to go see it opening weekend. And the first time the shark came out and attacked somebody, my uncle literally stood up in the theater like screamed and like his fucking popcorn went everywhere. <laughs> mm. People were scared. This was a horror movie for most people. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people had mm. never seen anything this scary at that time. But it was like PG and it was just almost considered like a family movie too. Well, was there yeah. ever a film before Jaws that that as I know my my when I saw this when I was younger, I mean, I was very young when this movie came. I mean, I didn't see it when it came out because I was just being born yeah. or being conceived. But when I did see it years later, it was one of the first films that made me really aware of the ocean, for so to say. I'm, that's what I was going to ask was, um, was there any film before Jaws that would leave an impression like that? I know after seeing Jaws, I'm like, holy crap, like. I don't want to go in the water. Right. <laughs> I just don't want to go in the water. A lot man. of people were afraid to take showers after Psycho, particularly in seedy motels. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm. I mean, that's really prior to that. That's the only occasion that I can really think of where there was such a cultural impact. Yeah, affecting something that is just seemingly innocuous to everybody. It's like, yeah, oh, we're gonna go f- swimming in the ocean. Oh, not anymore. No, and it, and, it, and it made people, I know it did make people paranoid of just the, what you're talking about. I, it made me paranoid. I mean, it was, and it was always the running joke. We go in the water and I mean, that sound right there, just that, just that sound, you hear that. It's one of the most recognizable things you hear now. Yeah. Two notes on the piano. That's it. Yeah. John Williams and for that matter, John Carpenter, the only, uh, composers that can use two notes to evoke dread on yeah. the soundtrack. Yeah, and you hear that, and you know exactly where it is, right? He even uh, makes a reference to it in his next movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, when the mm-hmm. UFO is communicating with the humans. It yeah. plays the Jaws theme for a few seconds. Yep. Oh, oh, that's right, it does. Yeah. Close Encounters. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Spielberg's 2001 Space, Space Odyssey. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I never, watched... da, never did I look like at a, look at a parrot like a plate of potatoes the same ever again. <laughs> mm. um, Every time we have today? mashed potatoes, Fucking I, right? I, I'm sitting at the table and the kids never get it. But every time I'm like, this means something. 
And yeah. the kids are like, what? And I'm like, it means something. I don't know what, but I it would, means something. Dad, yeah, you're a nerd. Yeah. I was building, I still do that to this day. I'll build a mound on the on the plate, just fucking around. And Just don't take it so far to where you're like breaking windows and you no, know, like no, no, building no. it with dirt in your living room. Yeah. <laughs> then Terry Gar just ups and moves away to mom's and you're just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Poor Terry Gar. I mm. know. Thank well, yeah. you, head doctor. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, what's there to say about this film, too? It's just, it's so. It really pushed the envelope, technically. God, oh, yeah. Not to mention he was working with Douglas Trumbull, who is himself a visual effects wizard. I mean, the work he did on 2001 A Space Odyssey was in his mid 20s when he did that. Well, I watched this right as that 4K release was coming out. I've just got the standard Blu ray set. Uh huh. I watched the, is it the director's cut? The, or the final director's the cut. The final director's cut. It's great. But it's kind of crazy when they're out on the road in that turn in, you know, ice cream. Mm-hmm. When the, the sh- little ships come around that turn the first time, mm-hmm. the practical effects there, those little ships are in the same space as the actors. It looks so much better than CGI. Even if it's not seamless, you can actually see yourself in that scene because it all looks real. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The fiber optic lights on the ship at the end are astounding. By the way, there's a little Star Wars nod in uh, Close Encounters, which yep. came out the same year. As the mothership comes around the corner of the Devil's Tower and uh, Melinda Dillon's looking up at it, you can faintly see an upside-down R2-D2 attached to the edge of the ship. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's very faint, but it is there. I never noticed that. So, yeah, Close Encounters, Jesus. I mean... <sighs> Yeah, I, you can go on and on and on about that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't. I, but then, see you tomorrow, Indiana Jones. Yeah, had no idea. Nineteen eighty one. We we didn't know what we were in for. And dude, okay, this is one of those films, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, you were wondering. Um, A lot of people contest that's his best movie. I'm not quite sure, but no. Well, no. I just remember the first. There, this is one of those rare occurrences, like you never get that back again. Seeing this movie for the first time in the theater, mm-hmm. my parents took me. And I mean, I never, I can't remember being so damn excited in a theater, like just freaking the fuck out, like yeah. watching all this stuff happen. This movie was. <laughs> it was curious that he and George Lucas worked together. This was their first collaboration, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. But they were friends mm-hmm. well before this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were able to uh, really put their heads together and make it part swashbuckler, you know, like Star Wars. And yeah part uh, Spielberg action picture. There's so many things about this film that that evokes such imagination. Um, you know, you're getting into biblical ideas. You're getting into these massive ideas. Where do we come from? And it, and it asks a lot of questions. And as a young kid, I didn't think about any of that stuff. But now I look back on that film and go, my God, there was just so many things being asked. There were so many things being covered in this film. And, you know, and the sense I, of humor is very Spielberg. Oh, it's also. beautiful. Oh, yeah, it's it's hysterical, but, you know, and I'll mention the video game, too, for this one. This was one of those ones designed where... Designed by the same guy. Yeah. Who, who designed the E.T. game. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that game was very challenging, actually. Yeah, for, it's, it's one of the few Atari games that you could actually beat. beat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've got it, the 2600 cartridge for it myself. Yeah, so do I. I still... I, I kept all those things, all those games... Um, and that was one, yeah, he had to work on it. And it was like, and yeah, I didn't remember a game up until that point where it was like, yeah, you just sit there and play Asteroids for 15 hours until the TV blew up. Um, or you play pit- TV people. Well, you know, you could be, there was like pitfall and shit. Oh, you, yeah. you know, we were just talking about this today, as a matter of fact, like um, 
Yeah, Activision games like Pitfall, you could you know twenty minutes. You had to last twenty minutes without getting killed, right? Losing right. all your guys. And if you want it, you you take a picture of yourself next to the TV set, <laughs> and then you mail it to Activision, and then they mail you back a patch, like you know you rule it Pitfall or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, so you actually could beat that by twenty minutes, whatever. Like this game, uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark game was very epic. It was an epic game. I can't remember anything being that epic, um, as far as games were concerned, and it tied right in with the film. What fucker? What are you doing? Me and Andy, just nothing. But this, but but uh, there is a point to this. We were making googly eyes at each other. Well, you guys can make out. You guys alone. Yeah, me and Blake can talk. You guys can go in the other room. I like his eyebrows. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Jar of jar of Thousand Island dressing all over you guys. So anyway, the the humor was very characteristic in all of Spielberg's films. There were just certain traits that you could pick up on movies that. Yeah, are considered ones that he didn't direct, but he very clearly had a hand in. Which brings us to Poltergeist. Poltergeist. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> going back to going back to Raiders really quick. There, there, there was yeah, the humor was great. There were images though yeah. that we saw in Raiders that I mean, the whole Ark of the Covenant thing when when it was in, unveiled. Yeah, the Snake Pit. The Snake Pit. Snake yeah, pit. that made me that that was another thing that just blew my mind, but. That whole sequence with the Ark of the Covenant, when they finally open it and all these things happen, mm. those visuals were just stunning. They were absolutely they are. stunning. Mm. They are. And and then when you see what happens to all these people, which was just practical effects, it was fucking flashlights. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's one of the old. You know, that we hear about that now. They, oh, you all you turn flashlights on. You know. And, and, um, but the melting what, faces. What the, yeah, it just it it's it freaked mm. me out. For a young kid, that was disturbing oh, yeah. to see that. That was really scary to watch. Which does lead into Poltergeist, because that took a lot of those, I think that idea from Raiders of the Lost Ark and kind of put it on steroids through through Poltergeist, because there was a lot of visions we see in dude. Poltergeist. Oh, my God. The, the scene where the dude starts peeling his own face oh my off God. in the mirror is oh still God. just ghastly terrifying. You know whose hands oh. those were, by the way, pulling off the face? Those They're, were Spielberg's, Spielberg's hands. hands. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you can actually kind of see now when you watch it the mm-hmm. like the differentiation between the dude standing in front of the mirror and yeah. the hands. They don't look like they belong to the same person. Mm-hmm. No, no, it looks foreign, but but the effect is so chilling it's... and the lighting is mm-hmm. perfect. I had a Ugh. when that a couple years after that movie came out, my, we moved to a new house and my bedroom. I would look out the window and there was a big tree out in the backyard and it cast a shadow. Ugh. <laughs> and it just all I could think of was fucking poltergeist because it was this, that it's gonna same clown come out from under your fucking bed. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, that same massive tree that was back there that can't, you know, we don't need to go. We know the details. Yeah. yeah. So um, what was interesting about poltergeist was he, it's technically his name's not on the directorial credit. Toby Hooper of uh, Texas Chainsaw is. Yeah. Um, why was that again, Blake? There was a Directors Guild stipulation or a strike of some kind that prohibited Spielberg from being able to put his name on it. But the cinematographer recently just flat out said in an interview, yeah, it was Spielberg's film. Like, Toby Hooper would have ideas and everything, but he understood that it was Spielberg's project. And this was the same year as E.T., so there was probably a conflict of interest. Probably. Well, and the funny thing is, when you watch E.T., it's like... The same neighborhood, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the editing cues and stuff are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. The music from all of those movies in that era, it could all be like yeah. moved around between movies. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a score from a Spielberg movie, mm-hmm. no matter what. But 
Yeah, E.T., like, we showed our kids E.T. Well, Bethany and Connor had seen it, but we just showed it to Matilda and Lucy probably three or four months ago. And the cool thing about it was even being 30 years old, 35 years mm-hmm, old, mm-hmm. had the exact same effect on my kids now that watch YouTube videos and all this CGI crap, it had the exact same emotional effect on them as it did as when we watched it when Holds we were kids. Holds up, man. Mm-hmm. Holds up. Which is up. really cool. Like, they got really sad when E.T.'s down in the mm-hmm. ravine, you know, all fucking gross and white and shit, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. It's and, a masterpiece. Yeah, it, really it is. is. It is a masterpiece. It's, it's a heartbreaker. And E.T. <clears throat> was one of the films, I mean, I saw it plenty of times, but I shied away from it. It's, it seeing it when I was young, and over the years has always been the one I mean well I think it's a, I love the movie it is a masterpiece I've always shied away from it because the emotional weight of that oh, film yeah. it's crushing and I just can't put myself through that all the time one uh, thing that's really sly about the film is that it's actually a kind of a biblical allegory the way it functions he comes down from the heavens he performs miracles he you know gets his followers he dies and is resurrected like you see him coming out of the, right, the tomb right. and he ascends back into the heavens again and even the poster is the finger of god painting by uh, yeah yeah so um, wow very yeah. subtle the way they did it but yeah, yeah it, it's not it, like an avatar when sam worthington in the special edition is literally sprawled out like the fucking crucifix right in the alleyway after a bar fight going back to poltergeist for a second there was, there was there were there was handful of there was handfuls of things that happened in that film that stuck with me the rest of my life really have mm. i mean just just the the use of like when they're pulling the rope out of whatever the fuck it is um the light just the gunk yeah, they would. Yeah. Some the people ectoplasm. would. Some people would call it ectoplasm. Um, uh, but there was just the use of that. All these things, like you know, they come from this other place that we can't see, and they're just covered in this goop, whatever. Somebody just, blows their nose, and you want to keep it. Yeah. Oh, and uh, <laughs> it, Spielberg didn't tell uh, Jobus so Williams right. until many, many years later that all the corpses that come out of the swimming pool at the end are real. Real. Oh. Yeah, they were all real. And she was t- terrified about going into there because there was fear she might get electrocuted because of the lighting. And oh, you know why they were real corpses, by the way? They're cheaper. Oh, yeah. And getting then... real human skeletons was actually cheaper than buying fake ones. Mm. I don't understand that for the life of me. <laughs> mm. It's like that, that was a, used to be a person. They're just floating around, yeah. bobbing around for this horror film. like some pawn shop around the corner, like hardcore pawn has fucking corpses in the back. Mm-hmm. You just got to go and... Hey, we need a dozen uh, <laughs> rotting corpses to go. Throw them in that pool over there. I'm like, I heard okay. deal with you. Well, I mean, if you think about it, though, I mean, as far as money's concerned, I mean, they're already made. Yeah. I heard they did yeah. that with uh, Three Kings many years later. <laughs> oh. They fired real bullets at cadavers for that movie. Dear God in heaven. Yeah, Poltergeist, there was just something, you know, when the big the big reveal with the big thing that comes out of the wall, the, the, the uh-huh. demon, that, mm-hmm. that if you didn't fly out of your out of your seat when that happened, I, then you don't feel. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that scared the living hell out of me. I never saw anything that insane in my life. It looks so fucking, it still looks I, good. I had to Holds sleep with my mask. bedroom door closed because my... Or my uh, closet door was like right by the foot of my bed. Yeah, and I was like, nope. For like There's just so many years. elements in that film that just yeah. terrify, that just will terrify you to this day. Again, holds up, holds up yeah. just fine. You can watch like that movie that. over and over again. It's completely mm-hmm. crazy. Is there another director who actually can execute jump scares quite as well 
as Spielberg. Like, not, not just littering a film with jump scares like the Nightmare right. on Elm Street remake or something, but actual real jump scares that mm-hmm. are impactful and have built up. I don't think work. so. No. I mean, the, the head in the boat in Jaws. Yeah. Perfect example. Mm-hmm. Nobody saw that shit coming. And, yeah. you know, and the, the, the first time that the shark comes out of the water, it's so effective because it immediately follows a joke. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come down to Tim Shim of this shit. <laughs> oh, fuck! <laughs> You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> most famous line in the movie. One of the most fo- famous lines in the history of cinema. Well, mm-hmm. that yeah. movie is just quotable yeah. backwards and forwards. So, 83. Kick the can. Twilight Zone. The oh movie. Boy. I'm watching the original series right now, actually. I'm, I'm loving we it. We had that box set at home. It's, it's not a, Rod right. Serling was a genius. Yes. Too bad is. the movie wasn't. It's right. not a happy time. <laughs> it has for... its moments. Yeah. It has its moments. So the best so, segments are the last two by Joe Dante and George Miller. But well, of course, George Miller. The plane. <laughs> but that movie was sunken by tragedy, and it not only destroyed uh, the lives of three people, not Spielberg's segment, but John Landis' segment. Yeah. But yeah. Spielberg's friendship with Landis didn't survive that film. They they parted ways afterward. And Spielberg was supposed to direct, not, what's the name of it? The Monsters Are Due at Maple Street. He was supposed oh. to do that, but... I would have loved to have seen a Spielberg adaptation of that. And it was pretty close to happening, but when tragedy struck, his heart wasn't in it anymore, so he directed Kick the Can instead, which... which I just watched last night, actually, the original episode. Yeah. Yeah. Which... Of all the segments, Spielberg's one got the most flack from the critics. That was the first time, I think, that the critics really beat up on Spielberg was for that segment. I wonder why. It's a good segment. It is. It's just gutless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as what you would expect from, arguably, especially at that point in time, the most gifted filmmaker right, in the right. country. It just it was very, very safe. Mm-hmm. Just... To the point, like I said, gutless. It didn't mm-hmm. really feel like any chances were taken whatsoever. So a year later, he <laughs> yeah. created. He gave people a reason to create the PG thirteen rating with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, like a oh, lot yeah, of people. Yeah, that that safe stuff. Yeah, we're done with that. Now no, I'm going to provide nightmare fuel for the next fifty years. Well, he yeah. did, he did t- record with my. Oh wait, we're 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 not doing executive producer. Yeah. We? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry about that. All right, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> my my <laughs> least favorite, honestly. And I, 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 Kalima. I, but the thing Kalima. is, though, like Weak Spielberg is still better than some director's oh, best. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, this when I say this is my least favorite, it's still the shit. Oh bully yeah. Gelado, bully gelado. Bully gelado. Bully, bully gelado. Bully gelado. Bully gelado. Prepare to meet Kali but, in hell. Oh lumpy boy. Oh lumpy boy. Oh lumpy boy. <laughs> Short the round. On step the bridge on it. Is my favorite. The, the, the whole probably of the whole series. It's one of my favorite set pieces. Just because I don't know what it is, there's something about Harrison Ford speaking Chinese that's just hysterical. Hang on, lady, we're going for a ride. (laughs) Oh my god, (laughs) we go for a walkie wide. (laughs) I do want to punch that kid in the face sometimes. You know, short round. There's there's still something about Harrison Ford having a small Asian boy with him (laughs) on an adventure. It's really like kind of fun it's kind of like yeah. endearing to see this guy who would makes ne- you think nowadays though jesus well I mean, also the boy is the only one that gets him to snap out of it yeah, yeah. but it's kind of cool possessed. Seeing, my my love, Dr. 
<laughs> it's cool having this like adventurous character with, you know, he's got R two D two with him, but he's Asian. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're going no, to hell for that comment. But no, you know. Uh, oh, the, pro- thing- the protesters are already out in front of the house. Yeah, the only man. thing about it was that you know, like, girl. critics were right about this. <laughs> he, he had a weaker heroine by his side this time. I mean, he had Karen Ellen who was getting in the cockpit, shooting yeah. at the Nazis, oh, yeah. and I thought she really held her own, and, and uh, Kate Capshaw was basically doing the damsel in distress, which was the point. But well, She it was- wasn't doing that. She was doing Spielberg. Yes, <laughs> really. Ultimately, yeah. oh yeah. Ultimately, he, he broke up with Amy Irving to. to he was cheating on Amy Irving with Kate Capshaw, mm. and he br- ended up there. Uh, that brings us back dissolved. to one. This shit kind of has always been going on, even with people that we know and love. They love to leave their spouses for actresses. James Cameron just fucking mm. loved doing that. She oh, did yeah. it twice. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, not the best Indiana Damn, Jones that's movie. Hot. Damn, that's hot. What's that? Not the best Indiana Jones movie, but they're still, still great. Blake still was right. Fun. Still fantastic. Still an awesome so, movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Who would have thunk that right after that he would go into the color purple? One of the, yeah. one of the one of the only couple of films that actually every time I watch it will make me cry. Mm-hmm. I can't. I don't know what the fuck does it to me every time. Um, this movie made me get into a car accident too. Honestly, really? I I was so I watched the movie. Um. And I was so distraught. Well, I, I wouldn't say it was a He bad was having thing. flashbacks back to when he was a slave. That's yeah, why. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually, no, I was, I, I left the house and I forgot that my dad's car was behind my car because I was so distraught and I was just seriously wiping tears off my face before I had to go to work. I don't know why I watched that. I remember when Danny Glover used to kick the shit out of me. <laughs> you woke up and- But I backed into my dad's, I did back into my dad's car. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then you turn into Lethal Weapon, Danny Glover. Like, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> but, I mean, one of, I mean, easily one of my favorite uh, Spielberg films. It's, it, it, lot, very different, I mean, at least from the stuff he was doing before that. Mm-hmm. One of the um, only films of his to not have a John Williams score, too. Quincy Jones did the music. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, you know, an epic in its own right. Um, I, I mean, I just, it was so amazing to watch this film. Yeah, it's. I mean, another 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 emotionally weighted film too. It hit me the same way, and that's why I can't watch it all the time because I I literally I just well up. I just I can't stop. I just can't that watch was, the movie. Was that Whoopi Goldberg's debut? Yes. Also. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the uh, Roger Ebert actually called it the the single most impressive debut performance by an actress in history. She knocked mm-hmm. it out of the ballpark, and she was nominated for best actress. It was one of eleven Oscar nominations, not a single win. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> yeah, I. I I mean, you know what gets me is just the crying at the end. The crying at the end when she's reunited, you know, and all that stuff. That's what just, it just fucks me up. I, mm. I can't, I just can't deal with it. So, same year though. Nope, never mm. mind, never mind. Nope. That was 85. No, <laughs> no I didn't know. I was going to say though, like, just what I was saying earlier, is there a director who can do jump scares as well? And I don't know if there's another director who can make people cry as well. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a blubbering idiot at the end of E.T. Like every time. I don't yeah. care. It's, I'll cop to it. It's it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one as director, because we're just focusing on directorial things tonight. Yeah, would be according to my list, and then calling out if I'm wrong. 1989, uh, mm-hmm. back to Indiana Jones. Wait, and all, wait, wait, wait. Empire yeah. of the Sun. Uh, we skipped him. We were about to. See, skip I didn't Empire put it on my list. I didn't see mm-hmm. it. Yeah. All right, I've you guys fucking talk then. Go. Go. Twelve uh, <laughs> year old Christian Bale in uh, China, based off a novel by J. G. Ballard, who, who wrote David Cronenberg's Crash. 
and God. uh uh, like vagina. Jo- John Ooh, Malkovich. Gross. We'll have to do a Cronenberg podcast just to talk about that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen Empire of the Sun. Really? I haven't seen it. It's got a very uh, unknown at the time, Ben Stiller in it. and uh, Really? It's basically, uh, it's, a, it's a concentration camp movie where this British family that's living in China, China is overthrown by the Japanese and everyone's rounded up into concentration camps and it's about his uh, ordeal so it sounds like a happy movie it's very happy yeah i mean that's why i haven't seen it i can't yeah. take any more crying with spielberg man <laughs> enough of this shit it's good though it overlooked um underrated yeah i need, need to, to watch it. it and not cry just you know imagine christian bale talking in his batman voice and then it's it another turns into boy. a comedy another little boy in a concentration mm. camp the child of rose who made the climb <laughs> it was weird when I my first movie I ever saw of Christian Bale's was that one. So yeah. when American Psycho came out, I'm like, is that really him? And yeah, because that was while. like years later. You're twisting yeah. butt ass naked with a chainsaw. Come here. Yeah. Come on. Well, he also <laughs> oh, was on, very good how at they grow his up. accent. So <laughs> all right, so yeah, I, I so I missed that big hole in my list here, but uh, yeah, 1989. After that, directing. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Now, if I remember correctly, this movie took a beating. Maybe it's because, the I mean, it's only the third installment of the franchise, but I don't remember the response to this film being that great. I thought it was fantastic. I love the idea behind it. I loved everything about it. I, I've heard many, many people say that it is their favorite Indiana Jones film. I love it's it. My, it's my yeah. favorite. It, I, yeah. I, I'll go on record by saying, I think I'll say the same thing. I mean, I just, I think. I'm not, sticking with Raiders. Yeah, I just think it, the idea. I mean, what the content and a, a lot like the weight of of Raiders was too. Like we're talking about the Bible and things like that. I mean, whether whatever your viewpoint is, it's still a heavy subject, no matter what you believe in, right? And this movie dealt with that. And plus, it's got some. I mean, as far as comedy is concerned, the whole scene where we think we think Andy's dead. You know, oh, yeah. I lost, you know, oh my God. And he just walks up behind him like, hey, what are you guys looking at? Right. I mean, that fucking It's like this emotional heavy moment with this superb performance by Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, go, yeah. But, it's a, but it's a real hybrid where you're, you know, you're, you're like, oh my God, he's dead. Oh my, he really did die. Uh, and then he's, so you're kind of laughing, you're crying, you're laughing, you're crying, and you're happy. Where are you at with this thing? It's it's such a mix of emotions. It's probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole damn movie. It's just that that, that whole little movement right there. The opening uh, prologue also with River Phoenix as a young Indiana Jones gave way to the what would or would not become the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Yep. Yeah. That's where Sean Patrick Flannery got his start, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. He now he looks like Marty McFly circa 2015. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. He looked like he started visiting the same tanning booth that Roy Scheider did in his later years. But there is something seriously wrong with that man's face. I don't know. The Last Crusade, the interplay between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford, it was beautiful. Is so spot on. The dynamic between the you know crotchety old man. And Indy is just oh I, I love I love the it. part where they're back to back and he's like yeah. how did you know that she talks in his sleep yeah wait what <laughs> I'm Eskimo <laughs> brothers with my dad oh, <gasps> oh. that's yeah. when you just want to go wash your dick with fire I'm yeah just... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Fire cleanses everything. <laughs> the whole the whole end of that film just blows my mind. I think it looks so cool. It still holds up. Just the shows how creative how creative it was. Like you know how people were getting killed. Basically, I I never I don't think anybody saw anything like that at the time. I just it just looks so cool. Um, and again, I just the emotional weight of the film, the subject matter. Yeah, I'll go on. I'll go on to say the same thing. I think it is my favorite, uh, you know, indie film, basically Indiana Jones. Film. And I think that would be one of the last examples that we would see, at least in Spielberg's career, of stop motion animation mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. used. Yep. Because not long after that was Jurassic Park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and Schindler's like, List the same year. I mean, you want to talk about a red letter year for a filmmaker in yeah. his mm-hmm. career. Mm-hmm. 1993 is it for Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jurassic Just Park. I move, never move quickly along past Hook and always. <laughs> yeah. Sweep yeah. those yeah. under the rug. Yeah, goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> <Bye-bye. laughs> I, um... Uh, I never really got on the, I mean, I've seen Jurassic Park. I never really got on the on the wagon of like, oh my God. And I, some people were just blown away by that film. And I mean, it was a really great film. Don't get me wrong, but. I saw that when I was 10 years old. Oh, I, yeah. It was when I was doing the USA Today Junior Movie Critic thing. It was the first movie I reviewed. And they sent uh-huh. me all this pretty cool swag, a t-shirt, a book, and uh, the CD soundtrack. And that was also the first DTS uh, DTS surround sound movie in theaters, so it was very, very loud. Every time the T-Rex took a step, it was like an earthquake happening in the theater. You could hear it in the lobby. Just buying a ticket for another movie, you hear that damn T-Rex stomping wow. around. I mean, the the quick advance, the quick awesome. advancement of CGI work in this is like remarkable. Mm-hmm. How yeah. quickly along that came to where they could do fully computer generated dinosaurs Mm -hmm. and the raptors holy shit they also still used a lot of practical effects yeah stan winston's you know practical puppets to have the actors in shot with them like when the t-rex puts its head up against the Mm -hmm. sam neill and uh the actress who plays lex Mm -hmm. things like that just made it very photorealistic yeah and those those effects really do still hold up and i think it's because they kind of take a page out of jeff goldblum's character's Mm -hmm. mantra in the film is that like well we can do this should we? We definitely shouldn't do it a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if we fuck this up, then the entire movie's going to capsize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but man, it holds up. Yeah. Really, really well. Well, and those kids, really those kids in that movie, that's another thing. Spielberg directs the shit out of kids. He directs the oh. shit out of kids. He can draw an excellent performance out of kids that have never acted really before. Mm-hmm. Like Henry Thomas and Henry e. Thomas and E.T. is still arguably the best performance yeah, given by a little boy. He had never boy really acted before. Ever. That was basically it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is one thing that dude can do. Mm-hmm. Schindler's okay. List. Schindler's Fist. <clears throat> Up your ass. The same year as Jurassic Park. Another emotional... Again, that weight... His first yeah. R-rated oh. movie. And the first movie he ever attempted to direct without storyboards. Mm. Wow. Really? really? Yep. That was his first James Kaminsky collaboration, too, wasn't it? Yep. The first of many, 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 many. Mm-hmm. And a black and white, first black and white film. Most of it in black and white. Powerful um, movie. Years back when all that ratings oh, drama was happening over uh, uh, Poltergeist... Gremlins and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, you know, should it be PG? Should it be R? He said on the record, I don't make R-rated movies, I make PG films. Well, that changed with Schindler's List, with his very first one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There was no getting away from that. Mm -hmm. No. That content was... 
it, it's still one of the hardest films there is to watch. It's mm-hmm. almost hard to talk about it because what do you say about Schindler's List other than everything about the movie is great, mm-hmm. everything about the movie is brutal. This was like Liam Neeson's breakout role, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. This was when he became a star, mm-hmm. and he's so fucking good. Yeah, he's great in this he's movie. In I mean, really, the hard part is you're watching this and going like, most of this shit actually happened. Mm-hmm. They're not over dramatizing this, no. you mm-hmm. know? Oh, God. You, were, you were talking about scenes in movies that you know Spielberg can make you get all goosey and blubbery. That scene where, in the midst of all that chaos, there's this little girl in a red coat. Uh, walking against a black and, black and white background as everything is happening, and that's heart wrenching. That's that's one of the hardest scenes in any movie I've ever seen. Yeah, and just the scene toward the end when Oscar is there, and all of a sudden he just he starts to think, if I had sold this, I could have saved one more. If I had oh, done this, God. I could have oh, saved Jesus. one more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then you wow. get the real. Uh, the real survivors putting rocks on uh, on Schindler's gravestone at the very end of it. Oh, man. Yeah, it's another yeah. reminder. If you don't cry at that part, you don't have a soul. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, you don't feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you're a Nazi war criminal. That's one yeah, of the well, two. Yeah, one of the two. <clears throat> yeah. uh, there's not really much playroom outside of that. I don't think. Um, moving uh, forward, though, because yeah, I'm really getting bummed out here. Yeah, uh, the Lost World. That's that's what I got on my list. Is there something I may have missed? Arguably, up? the single most violent PG thirteen film I've ever seen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty damn brutal. The mm. scene when they're walking through those really tall reeds and the the raptors just start picking them off mm. one at a time is fucking terrifying and violent as hell. The scene that oh. uh, still gets me is when two T Rexes use a man as a wishbone and oh, literally yeah. pull him apart. Oh. In shot, too. Like, it doesn't cut away. Spielberg's always been one that really gets away with a lot of pretty hard violence in his movies. Like, the other directors without his cloud wouldn't. See, I've only ever seen this movie, I think, one I time mm-hmm. in the yeah, theater. I was never I was never big into Jurassic Park anyways. Maybe I should be, but I know I saw this once, and, you know, great. I mean, they look fantastic. They're great. I just, I just I don't know what I just wasn't sold on them. I decided yeah. to jump the shark in the third act. I stand by that. Yeah, when they pull the King Kong act and they yeah. bring the yeah, it's very much Steven Spielberg's Godzilla. Yeah, he even has Japanese people running away from it, and that drew a lot of <laughs> laughter from the crowd. Rook, <laughs> ah. <laughs> Godzilla, no Jurassic Park. No, Jurassic Park, no. Oh, and uh, the guy who gets eaten by the T Rex when he runs up into the video store window—that's screenwriter David Kep making a cameo as a a victim. The next one, I, the next one I have on my list here, at least, was Saving Private Ryan. Oh. Amistad was before this. I didn't Amistad. see that. I didn't see that. Yeah, Amistad didn't about, do well when it came out, but I think that movie. people were still kind of like Spielberg had just made a really heavy movie with Schindler's List, and this came out just a couple years later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, this did not do well at the box office, but um, it did. When uh, Jaman Hansu, he won an Oscar for this, didn't he? Well, he was nominated. So. He was nominated. And Spielberg was nominated for director, was nominated for best picture. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it, it was pretty highly acclaimed, but it's it, it was definitely not a... a commercial uh, success. It's not a commercial. It's not a movie that you can market. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. oh, we're going to tell the, the real story of slavery that you don't really hear about in the history books, and it, you may or may not like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ugh. 
All right. Shaving Ryan's privates. Yeah, shaving private, right? Yeah, I know. There's a million names. Completely changed the face forever of all combat and war movies. And oh, absolutely. Now everything is shot high shutter speed, yeah. desaturated. I, I don't know frame what it was dropping. like. Yeah, there was. Uh, it's not even frame dropping. It's literally. It's just that high shutter speed because it normally. When you shoot film of any kind, your shutter speed is usually double your frame rate. It provides a very pleasing look of motion blur. Mm -hmm. But if you were to shoot 24 frames per second with a shutter speed of 250th you know, of a second, then you get th that really crisp, but it looks Fine. jittery as people are running and stuff yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. One director who really kind of latched onto that aesthetic and ran away with it was Ridley Scott. Like, because when I think of Ridley Scott movies, especially in like the the early two thousands, I just think of dirt skipping through the air like a yeah, you know, like a ballet, you know, Black Hawk Down and Gladiator. I just I just think of flying dirt, mm -hmm. and I guess I can thank Spielberg for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Saving Private Ryan. This movie made me nauseous. Actually, the first twenty minutes of the film, not because of the gore. Because just because of what we're talking about, how jittery it was, mm -hmm. how fast it moved. And I remember when we saw it in the theater, we were like right in the front row. So I was just immersed in this. And I remember I actually did get nauseous. It, it ties just, your stomach in knots either regardless, whether you're responding to the motion or you're responding to the emotion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's a grueling film. It's not one that you pop in just, hey, I feel like watching Sleeping Rolling. <laughs> I feel it, like being entertained. If it no. had been any other no. director, it would have gotten NC-17 easily. The violence oh. in it is so explicit and so extreme and very, just, very unflinching. The one scene... Um, there was the German they actually let go. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, my country is a deep, my country. He's just there saying that mm. whole goofy scene. <laughs> um, but he, he shows up later in the film, and there's that whole fight sequence. Um, and my friend who was with me actually knew German, like some semi-fluently. Yeah. Mm. And the guy, he just starts to sink the knife into his chest. Slowly. So like butter. Making eye contact. But he said, and he's speaking German yeah. to him. And my friend mm -hmm. actually said, you know what he's saying? Like after the movies, I, that, that, that scene, I'm like, oh my God, I can't get that out of my fucking head. That's just so hard. to. That was hard to watch. He's like, you know what he was saying to him? I'm like, well, what? He's like, well, I could tra I translated it roughly. That he, what he was saying was like, just just let go. It's easier that way. Just let go. It's easier that way. Just let go. It's easier that mm. way. He just was repeating that to him in German. Um, that right there is one of the most disturbing things I think I've ever seen in film. I mean, I've, yeah. we've seen all these horrible trash, all this trash we talked about on mm. this show. That cut right there, that one cut. It, if ugh. there is one scene in that film that ugh. makes it, probably the hardest for me to want to ever see it again that's the scene that's the scene mm -hmm. yeah i i just there's something so the guy's like no 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 it's, it's filmed very detached you're watching it but then it, it cuts into just that medium close-up and it just holds it and holds it and you're just you feel like you're just watching somebody get murdered in cold blood before your very yeah. eyes yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. in a way that really it's so visceral that it just it ties your stomach in knots and all you can do is just Watch. breathe a sigh of relief when it's over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, but um, brilliant, brilliant movie. But and they, you know, it's this is an interesting idea, though, too, because we talked about that with a couple of these films on this list. Um Schindler's, Schindler's List is the same way. I've only seen that movie a handful of times. Yeah, I've watched The Color Purple more 
but I don't want to watch it again. Um, and the same thing goes for Saving Private Ryan. I can only, I've, I've probably only seen it like two or three times because, not because I don't, I think I love them. I love mm -hmm. these movies. They're some of my favorites, but I can't deal with the emotional and the dis how disturbing some of this stuff really is. It's mm -hmm. just too much for me. Mm -hmm. um, it burns you out, I think. Um, they were showing ve veterans the movie, and some veterans were saying the only thing missing was the smell of the gun smoke. Otherwise, they were transported back in time to that uh, that beach in Normandy. That's how that's how realistic so, it was. Yeah, You'd... well, it really, it really that whole the, the, that whole first twenty minutes really showed you the meat mm. that they were just fucking. A lot of these people were nothing but because you they, you know there's a small buildup. These guys were all talking on the boat. You're like, oh yeah, these guys are going to be going and getting off the boat and go walk around and see what's going on. Most it's all of them cool. get killed before they can even get off the boat. Yeah, yeah. Is it, the gunfire comes in and they just all get they just get vaporized, literally yep. fucking vaporized. Mm. You know, people that, you were, that were just animated and talking a couple seconds before that, and that's really what I know. I know at that moment I'm like, okay, what the hell are we watching here? This is it hurts. Yeah, this mm. is tough to watch. You know, mm. so. Um, yeah, I this bet movie. the Academy's really second-guessing their decision to give Best Picture to Shakespeare in Love now. Yeah. Well, that was uh, Miramax. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Which is... And Gwyneth Paltrow went in Best Actress, and you know now she's coming out and talking about all mm -hmm. of her fun shenanigans getting that role, so... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is it too late to go back and just start of just kind of put these things where they belong? Mm. <laughs> Stick around. Yeah. Stick around. <laughs> Who knows? Um, I got my mine here, but I don't. I I I feel like I'm jumping the gun a little bit on you guys. So no, uh, AI was oh. the next directorial effort by Spielberg, mm. and I will be honest. This is probably one of my favorite science fiction movies, just because I enjoy the Pinocchio aspect of it so much, but also because it is so much a Kubrick film mm -hmm. from beginning to end because Kubrick was going to do this mm -hmm. at yeah. one point correct it, he yeah. was and well into well into uh, turning his attention to eyes wide shut he bestowed the project to Spielberg said you know this is more your thing than mine and they were friends for a long time anyway mm -hmm. so and a lot of Kubrick fans who hated the ending of AI wanted to blame Spielberg for it, but it was in Kubrick's original notes. Mm. There's nothing wrong with the ending of this movie. No. I like to me this this movie's timeless. You know, I watched this in the theater opening night. It's been 16 years since it came out. Mm -hmm. It's a brilliant film, and it the is. visual elements in this movie are just phenomenal. And you hate that mom with. Like, every time I watch this movie, I just want to grab her by the throat mm -hmm. and fucking kill her. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Because she's a horrible person. She's a horrible person. It's one of those Spielberg films that has moments that's hard to watch, but it's definitely eminently more rewatchable than a lot of his oh, yeah, for sure films like Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. And I love Jude Law in this movie, Yo, too. Oh, Jude Law was so great. He was so good in this. Joe, right? Was William his character's Hurt. name Joe? William mm -hmm. Hurt is the Jiggle head Joe, creator. Yeah. All right. What? <laughs> <laughs> Minority oh. Report. 
Yes. I never Ooh. saw that. Damn it. What? Talk about I know. great science fiction back to back. AI and Minority Report. Yeah, dude. Minority Report kicks so much ass. It I just rewatched kicks it recently. A lot of ass. Yeah. That was his first collaboration with Tom Cruise as well. Mm-hmm. 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 And he just he another great Tom Cruise performance. He really knocks that one out of the park. I have homework to do. It's got some visually astonishing uh, sequences in it. Oh, the, it still them, holds up. Yeah. This movie holds up. Well, the, the shot the shot where the camera is is following the spiders going through the hotel and it's going from room to room to room to room. I mean, Gaspar Noe watched saw this movie and said, I'm going to do that at the end of Enter the Void. There was another uh, film, actually, that came out in 2008, but one is never released here, called Human Zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, written and directed by, actually, the actress that Rebecca Romaine makes out with in Femme Fatale, of all people. Mm-hmm. And there is a <laughs> sequence toward the end where she is trying to retrieve a woman from a sex brothel, and the scene is... Just like Minority Report, it's like, ah, somebody's a Spielberg fan. <laughs> right over the top, rooms drenched in different colors of light, but all mm. shot, you know, bird's eye view looking down at it. And yeah. the way the camera rotates when it switches rooms. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's technically really brilliant stuff. And the action in this movie is very, like, tasteful, the way it's shot. Mm-hmm. And just all the exterior shots with the vehicles and all that. Like, it's just, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to mention, uh, in addition to having a really technically savvy and brilliant shot, you know, going over all those rooms and everything like that, then you just have shots that are just awe-inspiring in their simplicity. The, sh- the scene where right toward the very end when Tom Cruise is holding Samantha Morton up in the lobby mm-hmm. and Spielberg just dollies the camera around and you see him looking in one direction, her in another. They're both lit with different hues of light. Mm-hmm. It's that moment you just have to stop and just it was Siskel and Ebert's pick for best film of the year when it came out you know deservedly so it's kind of crazy as we're talking about this more and more you actually start to get a grasp on the fact that Spielberg has done it all he's done drama he's done historical pieces Mm -hmm. he's done science fiction he's done horror Uh he's done everything and almost every time other than a couple he's really he can nail it yeah Mm -hmm. every single time has he ever done a western no. Uh, no. I don't think I so. I would like to see a Spielberg Western. Yeah. I don't see anything on my list, at least, that, that no. resembles it. Wait, well. No, Unless you I, count being exec producer on Back to the Future Part 3. Or, mm-hmm. or executive, yeah. executive <laughs> producer in True Grit. Well, there you go. Yeah. There exec you go. Producer of uh, Cowboys uh, and Tale, Aliens. File, Five Will Goes West. Cowboys <laughs> and Aliens. Come on. He was executive producer on Cowboys and Aliens. Remember? Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Steven Spielrock presents the Flintstones. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, Remember that they named it Spielrock. But he ass. did. But he. But to answer your question, he did touch on that stuff. Maybe not as a director, but as a producer. I, I, I still maintain Spiel, if Spielberg wants to, you know, go to his grave having done it all. He needs to make a western. I yeah, want to see it. So, so we kind of glossed over the fact that uh, Saving Private Ryan was when he opened up his DreamWorks company. Or am I mistaken? Was that uh, Amistad that he opened up DreamWorks? Amistad. Amistad was, it was Amistad. Yeah, because yeah, okay. I know uh, yeah. Deep Impact came out the previous year, and that was a DreamWorks SKG okay. production. Mm. Deep Impact is a piece of shit, but that's another discussion. I thought that was a Paramount <laughs> picture. Well, maybe it was a DreamWorks produ- co-production with Yeah, Paramount. DreamWorks and Paramount were butt buddies. So, <laughs> next up was Direct- 2002's Catch me if you can. 
Mm. I revisited that one recently, and I love that movie. I was super entertaining. You've seen this one, right, Scott? <laughs> Long, yeah, I saw Two it mice once. fell into a bucket of cream. <laughs> <laughs> one <laughs> died. It, it, what are you going to do? And the other one it crawled his ass out. <laughs> they turned that <laughs> fucking cream into butter. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Walken's last Oscar nomination. Damn. Damn. I, I think just every movie needs to have a scene where Christopher Walken just gives a really fucking weird speech a monologue you know like he does in uh the rundown but yeah i feel like a little girl who just lost his first tooth and then these fucking guys come in and they, they go into my pillow they take my tooth i want it back um <laughs> 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 uh, yeah <laughs> i well, can't this... follow that up <laughs> <laughs> well this was another pairing of spielberg and uh Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. And uh, DiCaprio is just terrific yeah. in that part. Mm-hmm. This is kind of DiCaprio. I like. I loved him in like Wolf of Wall Street and stuff, but like this era of DiCaprio, like he was like just, just nailing on, it. On mm-hmm. his game, yeah. having fun too. This is kind of, yep. like, it feels kind of like Frank Capra Spielberg. Yeah. Like it's a very light and airy, even when it's, even when it's intense, there's always that little tongue-in-cheek element, like, you know, this guy's just a kid, you know, we're having fun here. Mm. Even when it's, even when the reality of it is closing in, we're still seeing this from the perspective of a kid who thinks that he's just having his way with the world. Yeah, and he's going to get fucked in the end. Oh, yeah. Mm. Hard. With a big Spielrock dick. <laughs> Spielrock. <laughs> <laughs> the terminal. I don't really think we need to talk about the terminal. Uh, I love I like, the terminal. I like the yeah. terminal. Are you, really? Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about the Frank Capra. Yeah, that's uh, true. Lightheartedness. The set by Alex McDowell oh, is incredible. Wh- why that, did he not win an Oscar for that set? It's I mean, amazing. The airport itself. That's not an airport. That's a film set. That Mammoth Airport is a giant film set. Was that built at Pinewood? I think so. Probably. It's massive. Like one of the greatest film sets ever produced but even then it has a quiet charm to it i, I really like the terminal myself i think it's underrated i've only ever seen it once the single greatest achievement of that film is tom hanks's performance simply because i never expected in a million years to buy tom hanks as a russian yeah but as soon as he shows up there's just i don't know if it's the lighting or if they just did like a, a few little twerks to his face and makeup and then his accent is completely convincing but i, I totally bought it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah well hanks kind of owns everything he does mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right yeah. even turner and hooch yeah <laughs> <laughs> bosom buddies and hologram for the king oh god i have not seen that i, I did That's all right tom tick for it can't be that bad <laughs> it was it was pretty mediocre War of the Worlds, 2005. Yeah, they, yeah we, and we've talked about that a bunch of times on the show here. Yeah. That is one I that... It. I love it. it. Me too. When I first saw it, I was I was kind of blown away by the horrific elements of it. And then, you know, you kind of distance yourself from it. You can pick apart its flaws. But then there's just something about that film. Every couple of years, I find myself having to go back and rewatch mm-hmm. it. And every time Same. I do, I just I like it a little bit more. I mm-hmm. just I just love the vehicles. Yeah. I just those vehicles, the sound uh, that, that emanates from them. You and it's just it's just one of those beautiful sounds, kind of like Jaws. Yeah, mm-hmm. that whole build up to the reveal of the first tripod is 
perfect. Yeah. It's perfectly shot, edited, paced. The performances are great. The cinematography is fantastic. And then, it, like you said, this is the first time it comes out of the ground and it makes that sound. You just get that chill go right down your spine. Yeah. It's um, terrific filmmaking. That, 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 sorry. I'm, I'm starting to wear down here, I think. Uh, <laughs> you need some beer? Yeah. <laughs> that sound, there's a, it's a, and this goes into frequencies, I think. Because I've heard that same sound, and I'm talking, everybody knows what I'm talking about with this. With they this. used it as a joke in that movie, Popstar. Yes. Never, was, never seen it. It's like a really in, extremely loud uh, foghorn yeah. of sorts. Yeah. Hmm. If you hear it in a movie theater, it's deafening. It's yeah. They used it in Pacific Rim also when the Chernobyl Alpha came out of the water. Mm-hmm. It made it made that that same. It was the, it's the same type of that low frequency. That frequency, for some reason, at least to me, just creeps me out. It just it just dread. Like we said, dread. It just through a through one note, one note. It's a tone of doom. Yeah, yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. dread, right? Um, it it sounds like Book of Revelation shit. Yeah, yeah. Like of like you know the supposed to be like you know the horn blast from the sky or something. Gabriel, you know, when it well, brings about your end yeah, times. Horn, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's probably you know what the, the the inspiration for the sound was in the original novel. Well, you know? it's it's in, that's an interesting idea, and you know and that does get me into that mindset where yeah, what would the <laughs> Gabriel's horn sound like? You know, mm-hmm. and it's about as close as I think it's gonna get. Yeah, <laughs> Spielberg had been trying for years after Close Encounters of the Third Kind and ET to make Night Skies, which was going to be this um, alien invasion horror film, and he almost did it with, thank God, the candidate, the ET two e. Nocturnal <laughs> Fears, oh where oh, albino ETs, right? It wasn't that the yeah the we talked about that at length the one time. Oh my God, and there's I, pictures of it online that they designed. It's te- the idea was terrible, but. Anyway, decades go by, and now with War of the Worlds, he finally gets to make Night Skies, the alien invasion horror film he always wanted to make. And I think it was a pretty successful effort. It kind of falters in the third act, even though they are following the trajectory of the original story. Well, and the the very end conclusion, like, really, you think all these people survived? Like, it's a little too... horseshit. Yeah. It's a little too outlandish that he made his way back to the grandparents' house. And got out of all that fucking shit. He gets he gets sucked into one of the tripods and successfully grenades them, and you know escapes, walks away from it. It was it was a little bit of uh, you know implausible yeah. action movie well, superstar. That's what you get when you have David Kep touch up your script. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Because anybody who has seen David Kep's work, I mean, his best film is still stir of echoes yeah and uh the trigger effect before that was a very solid directorial debut but almost everything after that he has these third act reveals that just completely fuck up everything that have come before that and usually spielberg is smart enough to kind of sidestep whatever landmines kept might put in the script for him Mm -hmm. but in the case of War of the Worlds, where the original ending from the source material was admittedly weak, I, mean, I guess you just kind of work with what you got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I don't want to jump ahead. What do you guys have on your list? Munich. Munich! Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking awesome, Munich. Yeah. 
it is really good. What did Seth Rogen say in Knocked Up that Eric Bann on Munich was like single-handedly responsible for young Jewish men getting laid in the year 2000? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, just the casting in this movie was brilliant. Some mm-hmm. of the, you know, action-type sequences are great, and just that gritty feel of this entire movie mm-hmm. is phenomenal. It really, really is. And just like Catch Me If You Can, it was a passion project that he kind of had to squeeze into his schedule for a year that already had another major release. Right, right. And you can kind of see it in the filmmaking, too, where Spielberg is employing zoom lenses, almost like a Lucio Fulci Italian horror film. Mm -hmm. Because you don't really see him use zoom lenses too often. No, no. What was that other film that he was working on? You said he packed this one in. What was the other film? War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah, they both come out the same year. It was the same year? Yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. So, I know we got only got about 15 minutes left, so yeah, yeah. Um, I know what we're going to say about the Crystal Skull, so. They're raping him! No! I'm actually an apologist. Do? I like this movie. I know it has its problems, but it's still Indiana Jones to me. So It has its movie. moments, but where it begins to fall apart for me is when it really just it's the sword fight on the fucking jeeps in the cgi forest yeah and the monkeys i don't know escaping a nuclear bomb (laughs) and getting out of the forgive that because it it still looked good but he gets out of the fridge and looks at the mushroom cloud (laughs) and the thing is it, it at least looks Good, even if it's completely implausible bullshit. Mm. Kind of like falling out of an airplane on a raft and surviving in the fucking Andes Mountains or whatever the hell it is. That's just as implausible. But the thing is, people could, not in a safe sense, fight on the backs of jeeps, you know, with swords and whatever the fuck. And it didn't have to look that fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I forget who the, the the visual effects supervisor was on this one, but it wasn't his usual collaborator. It was not Dennis Murin. So, whoever this guy was, please never give him another job. Well, for the they love went, of Christ, and they overboard <laughs> with the gophers and the fire ants and mm-hmm. the monkeys and all that. Like it just it's Shia piled on swinging from the vines. Shia buttfuck. Yeah, I thought that <laughs> uh, that was kind of like when they put. They paired up Justin Long with Bruce Willis for Live Free or Die Hard. Like, why? I, I was fine with Short Round, but why do we need to give him a teenage sidekick? Yeah. Why? why do we need to draw Karen Ellen out of retirement for this? And they get married at the end? What? Yeah. And also, the first three Indiana Jones movies are all about, you know, the power of God and the mystery of religious relics. Yeah. And, now we're just getting bad CGI aliens from the Area 51 video But game. see, I like the fact that it went aliens. Because if you're going to believe all the crazy religious stuff that goes on, I can believe aliens too, you know? It, it, it just seemed inconsistent, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it does and it doesn't because there are, you know, remnants of civilizations that have long since gone the way of the dodo bird where... You you know there are cave drawings on walls and stuff that allude yeah. to spacemen coming Chariots down of the from gods. the sky stuff right. like that. So yeah, it, of... it it kind of fits, but but I get what you're saying. At the same token, it kind of it, it is the bastard redheaded stepchild. You, 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 you can monkey wrench it into the franchise. You yeah. really can loosely because there's gazillions of theories on that right. stuff, and there's always going to be a theory to fit. All I gotta say is to glue that together. Let's say childs, childs, 
chariots of the gods, man. They practically <laughs> own South America. <laughs> I mean, they taught the Incans everything they know. <laughs> a little Palmer bit from John Carpenter's a thing. So after this was uh, The Adventures of Tintin. Never saw that. Never saw I it. I love Tintin. This is a great movie. It, it really is. It is really great. It's animated. It's CGI animation. But His first one, right? Yeah, yeah, but it really gets back to... Like it, a little more of that adventurous Spielberg. It, it from does. The 80s. It feels like thirty years ago Spielberg when you're watching it. It's, yeah. Uh, there's a there's a reinvigoration and a, like kind of a rejuvenation to his style. You could tell that the technology that was there that it was exciting to him and he really loved using it. Yeah, and I think he was in love with this character from his youth, and this was something that he wanted to do forever and could finally just do it. And had the tools at his hands, you know, at his disposal to yeah, do with yeah. it what he wanted to. Did Warhorse come out the same year? Yes, it did. How was that one? I didn't see that I, one. I didn't. Most people didn't see that one. This is probably one of his biggest flops. This yeah. movie did not do very well cinematically at all. But no, I've not seen it. You haven't seen it. Did you see it? Nope. Did Hell you see no. it? All right. So none of us saw Warhorse. No son fuck. of a bitch. Damn. I did see some horse porn one time though. Does that count? Mr. Hands? Yeah, I oh. watched that. I watched that documentary. Zoo, oh, zoo. Dude, zoo, zoo. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, what are you gonna do? So uh, <laughs> next up was Lincoln. Wait, with, now have we? Now, now this is my my going back to Zoo. What? This is my work hall on that. We've talked about this. Zoo. Speaking of Spielberg, Zoo uses the same score as Poltergeist. <laughs> That's right. Really? Listen to it. That's I think I may hilarious. have said it on this show before, and I know I've posted it in some places, yeah. too. Watch Zoo. Watch Poltergeist. And as, listen, and just listen. As the guy is dying from a punctured stomach from getting ass-fucked by a oh, horse. You, okay. All right, we, we get it, Andrew. We get it, Andrew. We're Go on. into the light. <laughs> <laughs> Check that out. Check that out. Yeah, a little That's bit how Carol Ann died. Yeah. Oh god. Oh. That, that's what happened. She had an impacted colon. Oh, oh. perforated colon. Lincoln. 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 Oh, he dude. freed the awesome. slaves. Moving awesome. on. Awesome movie. It was he like, worked with Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis got his third Oscar for best actor for that. Became mm-hmm. the only actor to ever win three. Yeah. He, it, yeah, awesome and he'll probably film. win for the next one. And so. everybody thought Tom Hanks was going to be the first one to win three. Yeah, that was because he was nominated again and again and again after Forrest Gump. But nope, no. I loved Lincoln. I liked it. I mean, I'm a big Daniel Day Lewis fan, so it didn't matter who directed it. What? Honestly, what? Throw on Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, I thought you said you weren't a big Daniel Day Lewis fan. No, I do. I am. I misunderstood. I misunderstood too. <laughs> I'm, I'm on my last. Yeah, I know. Here. We're almost done though. No, yeah, we are. Yeah. So Lincoln Lincoln's cool. great. Lincoln was cool. Now, Bridge of Spies. A lot of people didn't really like this movie, but I fucking loved this movie. I really liked it too. Yeah, it's just a good, like, real life story. Tom Hanks is back to just doing his best Tom Hanks. And what's his face? One for one best uh, supporting actor. I'm for not this. even gonna go there, man. Uh-oh. Oh, that's right. Mark that's Rylance right. over it, Stallone. It still pisses me off to this day. I'm just saying, because this was the same year as Rocky Balboa. Creed. 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 Yeah. I mean, yeah, 
Mark Ralston. Oh, that's right, Creed. Or, yes. or, or, or Mark Ralston. Mark Rylance. Mike Rylance. Mark Mark Ralston's yeah. great too, but no, Mark Rylance. Yeah, he he's a solid actor. Obviously, he can get a BJ on film as good as the next guy. <laughs> yeah, which but, he did for uh, Innocence. Exactly with Carrie Fox. But there's a difference between giving a good performance and quite literally giving the performance of a lifetime, and that was where I took issue with them giving him the Oscar over Stallone that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Creed is an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. It really. I just watched it again like two weeks ago. Yeah, it is a great movie. Mm-hmm. And that that it's uh, it's a hard one for me to revisit just because I mean my dad died of cancer, and when I see Rocky fighting cancer in that movie and all that. Th- the shit that he had to go through, losing his hair, getting up in the middle of the night, mm. puking his fucking guts out. That hits close to home. And in addition to it just being a great performance, I just I had that emotional connection to the part as well. So Well that speech he gives about all all the people that have, you know, moved on and, you know, passed on and he's still there, you know, left alive. That uh, I mean, that was the heart of the film for me. That was just heartbreaking to hear him say that. Yeah. And that's following up a you know an already unexpectedly phenomenal sequel with a ton of great monologues in it. Yeah, because Rocky Balboa was really good. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. single best motivation speech probably in any film ever. Yeah, yeah, where he's talking to his son. Yep. So last on the Spielberg list right now is uh, uh, Big Fucking Gun. Yeah, yeah the beat with Mark Rylance <laughs> again. <laughs> Which flopped really it hard. Flopped really hard. I did not see this one, so I really can't pass judgment on it yeah, whatsoever. I, I haven't seen it either. Okay, so he's got the kidnapping of Edgardo Mortera coming out, the post in 2017. That was the film I was talking about. And then, um, yeah, it's got uh, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks in it, so you know both of them will get Oscars next year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then 2018 is the big one for him. Ready Player One. Ready Player One, which yeah. looks like it's going to be an abysmal CGI, just throw it all off the screen, everything. Well, it's too soon to tell. We won't know yet. We've only seen the trailer. If anybody yeah. can throw a shitload of CGI at the screen and actually make it sing, though. It's him. It's him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in 2020... Harrison Ford is going to pick himself up into the walker again, and he is going to wear a diaper for Indiana Jones. It's going to be Limpiana Jones, but yeah, ah. Limpiana. Will it make as much money as Blade Runner twenty forty nine? Oh my god, God, Blade Runner twenty forty nine was fucking good. It was so good. A two thousand twenty, we're going to see this again. Yeah, yeah. God damn it! What are they going to call this one? <laughs> I don't know. Indiana Jones and the rest home in Mud Creek, Texas. Is, <laughs> is it going to be fighting an Egyptian soul-sucking mummy that you know sucks the souls out of the assholes of the elderly with Maybe. Elvis and a black in- JFK? Maybe. Indiana Jones and the Bubba Wrath Hotel. of Khan. Indiana yeah. Jones and Bubba Hotel. Bubba Hotel. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay, A. Indiana right. Jones and Bubba Gum Shrimp. There's no. There's no. <laughs> there's there's no denying. Uh, you know. Even low, like like you said earlier, Blake. I mean, even the low points are still freaking better than most directors' best work. I, I would mm-hmm. rather watch Bad Spielberg than good Rennie Harlan. Because <laughs> good Rennie Harlan is like Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four and Die Hard Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, folks. I think we're gonna wrap this up. Thanks yeah. for listening to us. Hey. Thank you. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> Merry Christmas? Wait, Mary, <laughs> is that when the next show is going to be? <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy birthday. No, it's Steven Spielberg rules. That's all I, that, I think that's all that has to be said. I mean, Happy Spielrock Day. Yeah. Spielrock Day. <laughs> Join us at our next sausage party here. This was a sausage guy. party. <laughs> this was. This is a great we sausage party. We haven't had any None of us are wearing pants. Bob Just Evans. letting you know. That was the rule. We were not allowed to do this show with pants on. Yep. Disgusting. And I've enjoyed it. And yeah. now Chris is going to break out the Mrs. Butterworths, you sick bastard. Butterworths? <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's cut this thing real quick because I'm excited. Let's All go. right. Come on, let's go. We'll see you guys next week. Pop it a tip. Bye. Bye. Diddle you next time. <laughs> Visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes.